Hi. Um, good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 11-23-2015. Hi, Alex. How are you this evening? Cold. But, Cold. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the temperature dropped like 20 degrees here. It's it's a major shock for us. For you, it must be much worse. No. It's, it was, I mean, it was a bit of a brutal turnaround, I guess. It was like 50-something yesterday, and mm -hmm. now it's in the 40s. But, oh. you know. <laughs> so you, you live in the north. It's kind of how it is. At least it's not snowing, is it? No. Well, that's good. Something. Yeah, that, that, that all blew north of here, so we're fine. Well, that's good. At least the roads are, I can't say they're safe. You live in the Garden State, but they're not as bad as they could be. Statistically speaking, they're safer than New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, pretty much any of the surrounding states. New Jersey's reputation as being a dangerous place to drive is uh, not actually very accurate. So okay. that's a good thing. Well, no, I mean, just living up north in general, I lived up north for a really long time. Um, you know, there's always that black ice and somebody always overestimates their skills. Oh, yeah, that's I, I don't know what's happened to people in general, um, but uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> we're we're not quite in black ice territory. We're not as freezing yet, so that's good. We're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, stay ah. warm. <laughs> it's been a busy week. It seems like. It seems like it's been a busy couple of weeks, actually. Um, yeah. I haven't talked to you actually since uh, I, I went to uh, the VCC in Tulsa no. last weekend. So how was it? Um, uh, it was a good event. It seemed like it was pretty light in, as far as attendance, but um, that's that's fine. Uh, uh, again, Kevin Skipper does a really good job of putting the spotlight on advocacy groups, and nice. um, so there was a pretty decent crowd, uh, two or three different kind of speaking uh, segments where uh, advocates were uh given the mic and nice. uh, and also several um i'm not gonna do the you know name thing here but uh <laughs> for those of you who are listening you know who you are and um there were several companies that stepped up and made uh significant donations um there was sort of a it was almost like a game was going on like you know <laughs> uh the the phil busardo dj night raised a certain amount of money and then one retailer, manufacturer, whatever, jumped mm -hmm. in and matched the donations. And then another one said, well, I'll match that plus that. And uh, it, it kind of uh, grew to a very large number. I believe it was twenty-five dollars or $30,000 was raised wow. um, and distributed among uh, the various groups. So um, thank yous were, were definitely said at the event. But thank you once again for everybody that donated. And uh, especially thank you for all the people that stopped by and said hi to us. Um, it was just me by myself, um, but uh, it was uh, it was I, it was good because I actually spent most of my time working on calls to action. <laughs> yes, and it looked like there were a lot of them. Yeah, um, I don't know how much you guys covered last week. Um, but, oh, uh, Julie knocked it out in 14 minutes, and it was just, it was a nice long rolling list. Local alerts. Yeah. Okay. Got a lot actually, done. 
just reminded me with, with all the stuff that we've been working on this weekend, um, I still need to get, I have Boston pretty much done. Okay. Um, so I guess I might as well get to it before we get to the 30 minute mark and I'm still yammering about a vape event. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I'll get the big stuff out of the way first. Um, for those who are just hearing about this now or tomorrow or on the replay, um, we have put out another national call to action and to kind of go ahead and it doesn't seem to be too much confusion about this, but I understand how it could be confusing um, because it is confusing. So if you are confused, don't be worried. It's confusing. Um, Everything about this is a little bit um, hard to really understand. And that's why we're here to hopefully offer everybody a useful digest to wrap their head around this stuff. So, um, I imagined that I actually wanted to start off reading the meat of this provision that we're asking people to support. So I'm going to do that now just to totally screw up people's heads. Um, (laughs) What, what this is, is a provision in the house agriculture subcommittee. Um, The agriculture appropriations committee has put forward this provision as part of the 2016 U.S. budget, the omnibus budget bill. So, you know, everything in the kitchen sink is going into this bill and it has to pass. Um, And so this is one section. I'm looking at a total of 14 lines. It's not much. Um, It's it's a very, it's smaller. There's less text in this section than there is in H.R. 2058. But both of these things essentially achieve the same thing, which is moving the grandfather date. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this and then we'll talk about it. Okay. So uh, this is on uh, page 86 of whatever I'm looking at. Section 747. For each tobacco product which the Secretary of Health and Human Services, by regulation under Section 901B of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, deems to be subject to chapter, I believe that's nine. IX, is that nine? Uh, quite possibly. Roman, Roman numerals, okay. Chapter nine of such act, none of, the final, none of the funds made available in this act or any other act may be used to treat any reference to sections 905 and 910 of such act to February 15th, 2007 as other than a reference to the effective date of the regulation under which a tobacco product is deemed subject to the requirements of such act pursuant to section 901B1 of such act and any reference in such sections to 21 months after the date of enactment of the Family Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act as other than a reference to 21 months after the date of such final deeming regulation. That's all one sentence, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta love that. I mean, try reading so, that in one breath. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. So it's not impossible, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so the <laughs> important words that run together in this thing are uh, <laughs> any reference in sections 905 of such act to February 15th, 2007. 
shall should not be treated as anything other than reference to 21 months after the date of such final deeming regulations. So essentially, in a very clunky way, this provision says references to the previous February 15, 2007 grandfather date actually means the date that that product is deemed under FDA's tobacco authority. Right. Does that make it does that, does that make it, it does. more it, it understandable? Takes, okay. Right. It, ta it essentially takes 2007 and crosses it out and adds 24 months after date of enactment of deeming. 21 Correct? months. Correct? 21, 21 months. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically what it is. It's just taking 2007 out of the equation. Right. So any reference to February 15th, 2007 will actually mean the date of such final deeming regulation makes sense yes Whew. so I, I just had to read that because I, I you know we debated whether or not we were even going to put a link to this in the call to action because that you know once you cut out all the references to the various parts of the food drug and cosmetics act right you're left with like a few words and that's the actual kind of meat on, on the bones of this thing. Right. Um, so um, that's that. Short and simple explanation is this moves the grandfather date very much like what HR 2058 does. And we've been relatively quiet about this provision because for the most part, this, you know, this has gone through the appropriations committee. This actually has survived one attack already. Yep. Um, they, they tried to get this carved out and it, it survived that. Um, so this is moving forward, and we're sort of at that point now where we really need to garner some support for this and, and make sure that, that, make sure not just that it's you know, safe from being carved out, but it, that, it's, that it's actually got some support. Um, and so that's really what this call to action is about. Uh. <laughs> Feels feels like it takes a thousand words to take and explain what should be easily explained in three or four. Yeah, that's that's been my. I think you witnessed a bit of that this weekend. Um, somebody asked for some clarification on oh, HR HR twenty fifty eight earlier this weekend, and oh, yeah. um, and it, and it, it, I mean it, it really I it, I have to be you know it it really is challenging. You know, we try to offer some youth, like I said earlier, useful analysis on this stuff. And in trying to simplify this stuff, I actually end up kind of using a lot more words. Um, and and I, I hope that that is helpful to people. Um, I, I try to explain it in very simple terms, but the more simple you try to make things, often it seems the more, the more wordy you have to be. And so I hope that doesn't turn out to just being that you know, like, oh, God, they just sent me a wall of text. I don't understand. I don't <laughs> well, want to I, I think, all of this. Right. But I, I think it's, I think that's how you have to counteract government language. You know what I mean? Because that, that's typical government language and, and trying to cut through it is much harder than it really needs to be. Now, if anybody could under, if anybody could pick up a bill, read it and understand it, um, 
we wouldn't have as hard a job. You wouldn't have as hard a job. Put it that way. Yeah. If, if everybody, if everybody could understand legalese, then I guarantee you a lot more people would be engaged in the lawmaking process. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, there is that in in making law, there is that attempt to strike a balance with needing to speak succinctly while also accounting for every possible contingency, <laughs> um, which oftentimes yeah. leads to some pretty awful writing. Yeah, um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I hope that explains it for what this recent national call to action is all about. And it clears um, it right up for me. Yeah. Um, the other thing that came out just before the weekend Right. was our FDA call to action. And the deadline for this is tomorrow. Okay. Um, again, another one. I don't really think I have to go too far into explaining this because okay. we've already put a lot of the words out there. Um, okay. But this is uh, very important because this deals a lot with, you know, the difference between just a, a recreational product versus something that could be de deemed a, a, a medical device. Um, both, you know, which those two have completely different regulatory pathways and and, okay. and costs associated with them. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the important things about this is that this whole thing deals with what what retailers and manufacturers are going to be allowed to say to customers how they're going to be able to market their products. And right. so one of the things that we as an organization feel very strongly about is that manufacturers should be able to tell the truth about their low risk product, their low risk tobacco and vapor products. Right. And um, so this is part of that discussion. And so we're asking people to, you know, the talking points that we've laid out here is, you know, how did you first learn about electronic cigarettes? Was it an advertisement? Did you have a conversation with a retailer without throwing them under the bus? Um, <laughs> you know, if they happen to mention some of the health benefits, um, uh, you know, they sort of in that vein there. So um, if, if you haven't had an opportunity to do this, um, Tonight, probably, I'm sure that the, the cutoff point is at some point tomorrow, but um, right. uh, tonight is, is a good good time to get that in. Yeah. Uh, so that is our other big FDA-related call to action. Um, I did just see somebody posted up an article about Pennsylvania um, in another group. Um, this is still an ongoing thing. I just want to bring it back up so that people are in Pennsylvania are still um, <clears throat> aware right. that uh, Pennsylvania does not have a budget yet and enacting a tax on electronic cigarettes is still fair game. So uh, if you live in Pennsylvania and you haven't uh, participated yeah. in our call to action to oppose taxes, uh, please do so now. Um, yes. And then um, moving along, I think some of these things did not get under the wire uh, for last week. Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and I, I haven't rebroadcast this yet because it looks like the uh, folks from Brave and Kansas City are, 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 are taking the ball and running with it on this. 
Um, yeah. So Kansas City voted to enact an indoor use ban as part of their Tobacco 21 regulations. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, so it passed the city council, but it moves on to the mayor's desk for approval, mm -hmm. and there's still an opportunity to veto it. So uh, I've seen a couple members of Brave uh, running around Facebook uh, gathering Kansas City residents' signatures for a petition. The petition okay. is part of the process. They have to do it in order to get sort of a veto hearing or to have it brought back i don't know the details all i know is that they're on top of it and so right. if you live in kansas city missouri um seek that out and participate um and then oh god what else <laughs> oh you've got a long list there i do, sure do. um <laughs> there's a couple of things that have started to, there's there's a new trend there's a new dance craze in uh city councils <laughs> and like, likely and likely moving up to state legislatures next year. Um, but so at the, at, the, at the municipal level, we're seeing the Tobacco 21 stuff starting to creep in. Um, yes. And this, this, this will be the flavor du jour uh, next year um, is raising the age to, pur to purchase tobacco to 21. And unfortunately, they are leaving all of the adults age 18 through 20 um, with no other smoke-free option other than gums, patches, lozenges, or just getting their 21-year-old friends to buy them cartons of cigarettes or e-cigarettes <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and of course, the logic there being that, uh, well, if you, if you take the 18-year-olds who just got out of high school and, and, and now you you make it so they can't purchase until they're 21, they're probably not going to pass those cigarettes on to their friends in high school or whatever um, kids do. I, I don't know um, exactly how to explain that, but you get the logic. It's if you can push back that age to start smoking, then the younger people will have a harder time getting a hold of cigarettes, which when I was a kid, I just stole them from my dad. So, yeah. you know, I didn't have to show my ID to anybody or ask anybody a special favor to do that. Not that I'm giving out tips and tricks here, kids, but, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think politicians like to pretend things are simpler than they are. You know, it looks good on paper, and you can kind of flap that paper around at news conferences, and everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, you, you seem to care and that we're going to vote for you next time. Um, yep. And it's, you know, that's, it's basically just theater. Um, I'm sure that somebody has a study somewhere that shows that, that raising the smoking age to 21 has helped some community somewhere. Um, but then again, you know, I, I haven't really fleshed this out, but you know, there, there is a study out there showing that in communities where they have strictly enforced, uh, you know, prohibiting sales to minors for vapor products, what they've seen is the smoking rates amongst the youth goes back up. Uh, and so to really kind of apply that to the 18 to 20 segment that's being left out in the cold with the Tobacco 21 legislation, yep. you're likely to see that, that age group pick up smoking again. Because yep. cigarettes are everywhere. They're easy to get. And, 
vapor products a little bit harder. And, you know, most, if not all, independent vapor retailers, I, actually, I should just stick with most, um, mm -hmm. you know, they realize that this is a hot topic and that, you know, if, if they if they go easy on selling to miners, then they're making the rest of the industry look bad. And, and I think they're, um, they're certainly, a, a, I don't know, I, I don't want to throw convenience store people under the bus either, because I know, you know, from listening to state legislature testimony in New York, that C store people are very vigilant about not selling to miners. And so you have these lapses in, in training and so on that happen with new hires and, you know that there there are all kinds of opportunities for people to make mistakes, but by and large, people are generally uh, observant of, you know, not selling laws prohibiting sales to minors. So, right. um, but yeah, whatever. That's a whole other discussion. Uh, the important thing being that Tobacco Twenty One legislation that sweeps in vaping is pretty much misguided and is not going to achieve the goals that they think it will. Uh, in oh, fact, no. it, it may make things worse. And then, of course, you have mm -hmm. what appears to be a very popular um, proposal, raising the smoking age, uh, <laughs> being lumped in with prohibiting things like vaping indoors and flavors. Um, so Cleveland, Ohio was uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, and I think another, was it, there was two or three. I know the, the big one that we put out was Cleveland. Yeah. Um, so Cleveland had their meeting already. I don't have a follow-up information on that. Um, but what Cleveland is doing and also what Boston is doing, I haven't put out the Boston call to action. I can do that tonight, um, is they're restricting the sales of flavored vapor and tobacco products to specialty tobacco shops. So if you walk into a convenience store thinking that you're going to be uh, – you might see the wide variety of vapor products, meaning the wide variety of flavors. Right. Uh, that's 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 what they intend to do away with. Um, and I mean, you know, my first experience, my first exposure to vapor products in a gas station was, you know, mint or tobacco. Right. Um, I, I I haven't actually been back. I haven't been to a gas station to purchase cigarettes or vapor products in over two years now. So I don't really know what the offerings are, but I have seen at truck stops on the interstate, um, a couple of different companies have this wide array of flavors. Um, yeah. You know, a truck stop in one of those municipalities, which I don't imagine that there actually is, um, would have to do away with that display. And for a lot of people, that convenience store experience is their first exposure to these products. And uh, they they should have, again, this is sort of an informational thing. You know, people should know that those, that you have more options than just crappy tobacco flavor, you know? Right. Um, and that makes it more attractive to adult smokers who might consider switching to a low risk alternative. Um, so, the concern for us is that, you know, people might look at this and say, well, that's fine because my vapor shop sells everything and they're a specialty store, so we're good. But as advocates, you know, we want everybody to, to have access to the wide variety. And, you know, ultimately that's better in the long run for, for people that, that run these shops because now you're, 
you know, in a way, these starter products are, are reaching out to a group of people that you're probably having a hard time reaching. Um, and, and eventually they may end up becoming your, your customers. So um, look at me giving business advice. <laughs> totally not supposed to do that. Um, so that's Cleveland and shortly followed by Boston. Um, oh, God, what else was I going to mention without getting too controversial? Um, I probably <laughs> should mention it um, just because it's it's being talked about a lot. Uh, and I really just kind of want to report on it without giving too much opinion on, on what I've read. But um, A Billion Lives apparently has, has kind of stepped into a controversy um, with a statistic that they uh, used in the teaser trailer that came out before the weekend. Um, I, I will say, I, you know, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Aaron at BCC. Aaron, Aaron Biebert or Breibart? Right, Bart? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why Bieber. I messed up. I, I think it's Biebert. That's Bieber. what I hear used, yeah. Um, and uh, was one of the, you know, one of the people at the event that got to see the teaser trailer before it, it went out on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that several people picked up on this statistic that's raising a lot of eyebrows and creating a lot of conversation. Um, and uh, it was the 165,000 children are going to die because of secondhand smoke or something like that. Um, and, you know, I gave him my feedback and so did other people. And the feedback was pretty much the same all, all around was, yeah, you might want to reconsider that. And, uh, and here's why. Um, and of course, you know, from our perspective, it's, you know, using the anti-statistics to just trying to use their statistics against them sounds like a really good strategy, but really ultimately what it does is it sort of validates the lie. And a lot of, a lot of us are very sensitive to that and, mm -hmm. and have made great efforts to not do that anymore. Right. However, from a, uh, generating conversation and publicity and, getting people talking about this film perspective, uh, it seems to, to some degree, have achieved that purpose. Um, so it, it's, to me, it's a very interesting, I've, now I've gone down the path of opinion. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, very, it, it's an interesting discussion to have. Like, how do you get, how do you get tobacco control to back up on claims which are ultimately baseless you know um and i thought their use of that statistic was interesting just from that point of view um yeah. is it inaccurate it's wildly inaccurate it's wildly inaccurate i think most people who've done the research will agree with me on that but you know it still begs the question how do the people involved in tobacco control make these sort of claims and look at themselves every day in the mirror if they honestly believe what it is they're saying? I mean, if it's incredulous to a lot of people who've done the research 
It's got to be incredulous even to these people who specialize in statistics and statistical manipulation. It, it, it borders on an insane claim. So um, I think it's interesting from that perspective. Yeah, and, and I, I will, you know, I will say um, my own personal feeling, uh, I know I can't really take off the Kassa hat and make these statements, but um, I, it, it, it deserves, I think, to be restated just for clarity is that I think that we can advocate for tobacco harm reduction without sacrificing smokers, without sacrificing their... Well, I their freedom of choice without throwing them under the bus. Oh, I agree. Um, I mean, but if you make them the bad guy in the whole thing, are they going to want to vape? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's totally, it's, 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 there's a way to do what, you know, we are doing, uh, without alienating people and without throwing people under the bus. But I think in order to make some headway with things, I think we need to have some uncomfortable conversations. And um, I, 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 you know, I... You, you know, honestly, what I would, what I would I, can I just say what I would love to say? What I would sure. love to see? I would love to see a debate between an honest scientist, an honest ethical scientist who has studied tobacco, tobacco harm reduction, and how to twist statistics, a debate between that person and a smoker, and one of the um, tobacco control people who specialize in twistics and twisting numbers, and a vapor. I would love to see four of those people, those four people, sit down and have an honest discussion about these things and how these numbers affect people. Because I, I think the only way you're going to come to the truth is to sit down between all four of those people and hash it all out. Without that, you're only left with a one-sided discussion. And that represents the interests of no one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see more discussion. Uh, and, and I think it would be great if, if we could all approach this from a position of... of having an open and honest conversation and, and try to remove some of the emotion from it. Um, and uh, I, I try, try. I <laughs> understand that it's useful to a degree. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, going forward, these are uncomfortable things that we need to talk about. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it just, it has to happen. I mean, if we're going to call these people on their misinformation, we got to bring it up from time to time and it, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna stir the pot. And, um, so, oh, yeah. um, I, I, but you know, ultimately I, I'm very excited for the film, uh, and, and I, I support Aaron and, and what he's doing. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think Casa is it generally is, is supportive of the film and we're, we're, we're all very anxious to see it. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's kind of where we stand on that. And, and I, I think it, to some degree that needed to be said. Um, so, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, I think the, the discussion we just had as roundabout and uncomfortable as it was can, can hopefully it can serve a higher purpose. Yeah. So with, uh, opening up that can of worms, I think uh, I'll probably just leave it there and let you close us out. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty. Um, if you... <clears throat> thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. Um, I'm glad you had a nice time in Tulsa. Stay warm. Um, if you have not become a member of CASA yet, please consider joining us at CASA.org. Please submit your testimonials to the CASA Testimonials Project, which you can find on the front page of CASA.org. We are CASA Media on Twitter. We are CASA Media on Instagram. We are CASA Media on YouTube. Come and look us up. Um, and come see what we have to say. Have a great week, and thanks for listening. Everybody enjoy the holiday. Yes, have a happy Thanksgiving, or have a happy day off <laughs> if you're in retail I'm not, I'm, I'm, and you're lucky. I'm not going to say what I really want to say, but just, you know, if you get some days off, enjoy those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, awesome. Thank, thank you, Alex. Thanks. Good night. Good night.